and welcome back to AFL by Dummies, the show where you're the AFL and we're the dummies. Yeah, that's the most accurate thing we're going to say all year, isn't it? Like, that's kind of sad. It's week one. I mean, should we just stop? Well, I, part of what I'm going to get to later is some of my um, inaccuracies in some of my preseason predictions. <laughs> I love the fact that we get through round one and then decide to throw everything out the window. Yeah, I mean, Adelaide are just destined to be bottom feeders, aren't they? Yeah. I tell you that I, we joke around, but I definitely do have one side which um, are in in my headlights. Um, I had hoped for better things for them this season, and that hope is fast slipping away. I hope this isn't St Kilda. Oh, no, I know St Kilda were fine. St Kilda did exactly what I thought they'd do. They were just average for the first three quarters, and then just were slightly better than average in the last. I think I know who this team is. I won't uh, ruin the surprise for you, but I think I can guess and. Great. We'll get yeah, to that they later. Were pretty bad. Yeah. Um, we've got our new structure debuting today. It involves this penalty shootout style structure in which we mix jokes and analysis. So, first up, you're going to provide a joke and I'm going to provide a bit of analysis. Then we'll switch and then we'll switch again. And then we'll switch again. And then in the fifth round, we will provide something new that the other one doesn't know about and it will be our opportunity to show down. It's just the a title. completely random thing. Yeah, it could be anything. It. it doesn't even really have to be like it needs a little bit of footy relation but not not any more than just a little bit it could be about steve smith who knows and we mean joke and um what was it analysis very liberally in terms of it can be a very wide range of stuff the joke doesn't actually have to be funny it should be but (laughs) knowing us it's really not a high chance the chances of my jokes making you laugh for a solid low out of 10 the, so the chance of me just ever entertaining you or anyone listening to this is low. <laughs> so you have the first joke and I have the first analysis. Um, as the joke, would you like to go first or would you like me to? I feel like the analysis should start first. Okay. Well, I've already alluded to mine, but my first piece of analysis is about the Western Bulldogs. I don't think I've ever been as disappointed in a round one uh, performance by side as I was by the Western Bulldogs in the weekend. Out of all the sides that I look back at my preseason predictions on, they are the one that I already regret the most, and I take Essendon a lot more seriously than I did two weeks ago. I, I have so many concerns for the Western Bulldogs. They have dropped so much in my estimations in just around, and that's a little bit scary. I know they were facing against a fantastic GWS side who looked really good, and you know, you got to give them a little bit of credit in that regard. But I want to look at three stats that highlight my main concerns for the Western Bulldogs. People have talked about their forward line. People have talked about their defense. But I'm going to argue that that's not just the issue. Stat number one. You ready? The Bulldogs won the clearances 44-38 in a game they lost by 80 points. Oh, wow. Something is wrong there. We'll get to that. Stat number two. The Bulldogs lost the tackle count 62-57 to in a game they lost by 80 points. Something is wrong with that. Stat number three. And this is what's wrong with it. The Bulldogs lost the disposal count by 90 Wait. So they won the clearances and yeah. won the ta- uh, lost the tackles and yet lost the disposal count by 90. And do you know why? Because they get smashed on the outside. Absolutely poleaxed. The Giants, every time they won the ball on the outside, would just handball and go. And, and it was over. The Bulldogs couldn't even touch them. The Bulldogs that were aside, famed for their pressure, their ability to shut down in their premiership year, 
they could just shut down any team, make them completely under pressure and make mistakes, cannot lay a finger on the opposition on the outside. They were absolutely destroyed, and it was an insipid performance. I hope they do better next week. Yeah, well, the Bulldogs are really, you're right, they're really known for their tackling and their grit. You think of Bulldogs and you think like your Liberatore. He's just like your classical Western Bulldogs player, not like the quickest player ever, but like he's in and hard. And the big thing about them is this side's got spirit. And that's just one thing that's just like, they just didn't seem to have the fight. When they were down, they were actually in the game still at quarter time, but as soon as GWS put a few goals on them, they just never looked like coming back. No. And it's like, this is not the Western Bulldogs of old who, you know, Bob Murphy would just get another effort out of them. Revitalise the team. Yeah. Just got something out of them that you wouldn't have gotten out of them normally. But they just can't get that anymore. It's it's kind of sad um, to see them fall off so much because we... I had high hopes for them this year, and I do enjoy watching them play, but I don't know where this team's going either. And I had Essendon below Western Bulldogs comfortably, and I'm regretting that right now. So am I. I think Luke Beveridge would be very disappointed in the fact that his side lost the disposal count by 90 and yet still lost the tackle count. Yeah. That is something that he would be very disappointed in, I expect. Yes, but a bit has to fall on Luke Beveridge as well. Um, Easternwood, played, they played him forward. Easternwood, a couple of years ago, was one of the best halfbacks in the league. Would Australian. Float, yeah, would float across, take every mark. Like, he has a ridiculously good vertical, and now we're just throwing him forward? No. Like, there are some players that you can experiment with. They like You generally do that with, like, your middle-to-bottom sort of players in your team who, you know, you're just trying to see what's the best for him. This is was your captain, and he's... One of the best in the league. You can't just give that up for nothing, Luke Beveridge. I'm sorry, I feel a bit has to fall on him for that. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens in the um, in the coming future in regards to how they switch their forward and defence because they're all over the place. But lighten us up, Lachlan Ross, with our first joke of the day. Oh, well, uh, I'm no here pressure. to disappoint. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Richmond Carlton was on a Thursday night. Big game of the year, you know, starting up the AFL season. And it was actually a good game in the end, I'd like to say. Um, Carlton played well, good on them. Anyways, before the game, um, we got to see footage of uh, Paddy Dow getting presented his um, jersey. And he got presented his jersey by, I believe it was Blues great Greg Williams, um, which was awesome honour for him. Um, Number two draft pick. Three, sorry. Um, Yeah, good on him for starting, but... There was something I noticed that just made me go, hmm. Hmm. So, their colour is blue, right? But, like, why why are their training jerseys orange? Is that just meant to be that half of their team's from GWS? Is that what we're trying to allude to here? That they're not even hiding from it anymore. You would have thought that if it's blue, their normal colour, that maybe they'd have the white on blue or some, a lighter blue. They've used those before, but orange? Orange and blue don't really go together on the colour spectrum as such. And, like... I mean, good on them for owning the fact that they're half of their team is GWS, but it just left me stunned for a little bit. I think you could be a little bit more subtle. Maybe that was part of the deal, was that um, when all those GWS players went across, was that um, they had to dress like GWS some of the time. Not all the time, but some of the time. Or maybe it's like they've got like a leadership group going and the majority of it is GWS players that so they handed down a reform that, every, that the training jerseys are orange. Yeah, just, just so that the club can remember their roots. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if this team wins a premiership, it's going to be the biggest joke. Or if this team plays GWS in a grand final, it will be like GWS versus GWS. 
um, in in uh, uh, football, soccer football, they have uh, quite often have in the trades um, clauses that the clubs aren't allowed to play against their former sides. So it would be completely hilarious if they had this in the AFL because Carbon would play GWS and then be unable to field half their side. <laughs> They'd just be playing like 13 players. Carlton was doomed enough as it is. Like, imagine that. That would yeah. be in a whole lot of trouble. Definitely. Your first bit of analysis. Oh, damn. No, uh, no rest for the wicked. Yeah. Well, we all remember a year ago where Nathan Buckley said he doesn't hurt us. <laughs> Obviously, he being Tom Mitchell after he got 51 disposals. He was mocked then, mm-hmm. but you think um, you would learn from them. He must have not thought that considerably because he's obviously not learned from the mistake because he had 51, then he had 37 in the two clashes last year, and 54. He had 54 disposals on the weekend. He had 29 to halftime. Yeah. He had eight in the third quarter, and that was considered a pretty lame quarter by well, him. The best part is that the next highest disposal to get it on the ground was 32 which is eight times four. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So uh, Mitchell went well above and well beyond anyone on the ground did. He was untouchable. The biggest thing for me was contested possessions. I understand if you're not going to put a tag on someone, but you have to be accountable for someone at the contest. You can't just let someone roam free, even if it's not the greatest player in the world. These are still AFL players. You can't just let them roam free. Tom Mitchell had 27 contested possessions. Now, guess what's the highest number of contested possessions ever in a game? How many? 29 by Dangerfield. He was two off the record. He is equal fourth. Wasn't the second highest um, Hawthorne disposal getter on the ground 27? So did he have the same number of contested possessions as the next highest Hawthorne player? Yep. (laughs) It just baffles me. And then also Tom Mitchell broke the record for the most handballs in a game ever, 34 of them. And maybe that's what Buckley's arguing, that he's not hurting us with their handballs. But he had the highest metres gained because everyone he handballs to runs out and spreads. And it's actually interesting. Hawthorne, uh, yeah, Hawthorne don't actually need that many hard ball players because they just have Tom Mitchell do it and then they have people spread. And with this young Hawthorne team, they've got enough pace about them now that they can do that. If you can slow down Mitchell, you might actually beat Hawthorne because they just don't have as many hard players um, as they used to, because they don't need them if someone's getting 27 contested possessions in a game. I think the fact that pe- what people are missing in this is the fact that, you know, if he has 34 handballs, right, in a game where he has 54 disposals, that means he also has 20 kicks, right? If your halfback flanker has 20 kicks and 10 handballs, they're going to be destructive. Yeah. Like, if, if he's having 20 kicks aside from the 34 handballs and how much damage they're doing, those 20 kicks are going to be doing damage. It's just, you have to be accountable. And this is all on Collingwood. And I think a lot of it has to go to Buckley because surely the big thing before the game was we have to be accountable at the stoppage. If we can stop Tom Mitchell, we're in with the chance. He doesn't hurt us directly, but indirectly, he's one of the most damaging players in the league. I think Nathan Buckley will now realise that he made a mistake with that. I think Nathan Buckley will now realise he made a mistake with picking to coach. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I have a little bit more to say on that later, but we will get to that later. First, I want to talk about Luke Parker in my my, um, joke competition to your... Very, very solid bit of analysis. Um, I want to talk about Luke Parker. Now, Luke Parker um, basically... Um, showed up the entire Australian soccer team when he did better in one minute of playing footy than the entire Australian soccer team in ni- did it in 90 minutes against Norway. Now, that 4-1 loss was like 
poor, right? But it made me think, right? If Luke Parker can be better at soccer than the entire Australian soccer team, I could probably find other players in the AFL that are better than most of the other Australian athletes in all the other sports. So I've done a bit of digging, and here's what I found, right? So diving. What do you look for in a diver? Now, you need somebody that can flop really well, preferably jump really well. And um, if, if they can hit the ground quite hard, that, that would also be a bonus. So I've, uh, I've got Lindsay Thomas in, and he's going to be um, in the Australian diving team at the next Olympics, and I reckon we'll win gold. Yep. Um, that's a nice, easy one to get us started. Now, I thought about Formula One driver. What do you want? You want somebody that can do high speeds, go real fast, especially around corners, and um, preferably if they can get clocked doing this to have acknowledged of how fast they're going, that would be better. So I'm going to have Jordan Degoe, um represent uh, Australia in the Formula One. So see you, Daniel Ricciardo. You finished fourth. Jordan Degoe, you finished first, right? Rugby league. Now, here's an interesting one, right? Rugby league, people think it's about tackling and brute force, but it's not. It's about your charming personality that allows you to be cast on The Bachelor in the rugby off-season. So, what I've done is I've found the most attractive player I can in the AFL, Cameron Ling. So, Cameron Ling (laughs) is going to go play in the rugby league and then get cast on The Bachelor so that uh, the AFL can gain some popularity. So, I think we're off to a promising start. We've got a few more here to go. Judo. Right? What do you look for in a judo champion? Preferably somebody that can kick somebody else in the head, right? So Toby Green is <laughs> Toby in. Green's the obvious one. <laughs> Toby Green is in. Oh, nice obvious choice. He's going to be an international champion for Australia for judo. Now, I've got a couple more. These, these two are my final two. I'm very happy with these two. Now, we need a new cr- cricket captain. That's obvious. Steve Smith seems like he's about to go. Now, what do you look for in a cricket captain for Australia? Well, obviously, somebody that cheats. So the better the cheater the better they are going to be Australian cricket captain. So James Hurd is going to be the new Australian cricket <laughs> captain. Um, preferably, if his vice captain could be Stephen Dank, it would be an even better combination. We're going to work it out. New contracts to be signed, but I'm looking forward to it. And the final one, look, this one isn't that great, but I'm pretty excited about it. Australia needs some more representation in the javelin, so we're going to get Adam Goods in. <laughs> I feel like I feel like he could do some real damage in the javelin. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I was going to say for the rugby league um, one, you should have done Israel Flower. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would have been good. Because <laughs> he's currently playing rugby league. Yeah. Is he playing? Which one is he playing right now? I think he's playing Union. He's playing Union. Yeah. He's in the Australian team. He's quite That's good true. at that. I was surprised uh, Jared Hayne didn't just get a mention there just out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> we need someone who can play all sports, cover everything. Yeah. Jared he'd, he'd be a decent representative. He's been dubbed as the new Australian cricket team captain. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like there's just as much chance of James Hurd as there is Jared Hayne. Yeah, exactly. That was good. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with we that. We can list. make a really uh, really good international team out of that. I'm sure there's many gold medals to come from all yeah, of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make Australian international sports great again. Great again after <laughs> what the last week's been like. Yeah. Unfortunately, we might have a bit of crossover later with the Luke Parker, but we'll see we'll when see. we get to that. You're up again. You've got to do another stat. Oh, i got to do another stat. Okay. Let's talk some analysis, shall we? Because occasionally the show has to take itself seriously. I want to talk about Daniel Menzel, right? And there's a couple of reasons why. Firstly, at the end of last season, there was a big foie. A foie? A foie. Yeah, which is my which is my way term. of saying for all about about the fact that Daniel Menzel doesn't tackle right. It's it's an issue that apparently most people don't like. He averages one point four tackles a game last season, which is not a lot for a small forward, right? But he kicked forty goals last season. That's pretty decent. Now yep. at the end of the season, um, with Richmond being so efficient with their system of these small forwards who don't necessarily kick a whole bunch of goals but put it on a lot of pressure. 
there was a lot of expectation that now small forwards had to play that role. So when the teams went hunting for small forwards in the offseason and Geelong offered Daniel Menzel up for trade, nobody wanted him, despite the fact that they were offering up somebody who kicked 40 goals last season. He was just approaching the peak of his career. Now, admittedly, knee reconstruction, so there are some obvious issues there. But I couldn't believe that, A, they were offering Daniel Menzel up to trade, and B, that nobody wanted him. He's a gun. Now, he kicked four goals, too, on the weekend and was the best forward on the ground in a game that contained Jesse Hogan and a whole bunch of others, right? So I think for once we need to stand up and acknowledge that just because he can't tackle, that doesn't mean Daniel Menzel isn't a good player. Yes, it's an obvious weak link in his game, but he's still a very capable player at doing what he can do. If there's anything that Richmond taught us, that is actually that teach and let players do the roles they can do. Don't worry about what they can't do. Let them do what they can do. So... It, for the same reason that we don't try and have six forwards with exactly the same height with all the exact same abilities, we have some who are tall, some who are small. In your small forwards, you can have one small forward who's dangerous, who's just going to kick your goals, like your Daniel Menzels, your Eddie Betts, these kind of players, and then have your Daniel Riolis, these guys who are going to put a mountain of pressure on the opposition who are going to make them turn over the ball, right? Yes, you might say, hey, Daniel, we'd like you to lift this side of your game a little bit, but you can have balance. You can have players that offer and contribute different things. And this idea that just because Daniel Menzel isn't a fantastic tackler, that therefore he's not good. The man kicked 40 goals in a season last year, and he started this season off with four goals. If he kicked straight in the last quarter, he would have had six. Against Melbourne, a side in which I think most people have realised are a pretty decent side. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Richmond have done this, the league's trying to catch up with this new sort of thing, but Richmond's worked because they made their form line based on their list. It was interesting. Richmond actually started last year with Ben Griffiths in the forward line as well, and it was only because he got injured for an extended period of time that they're like, oh, well, we've literally got no one that can really replace him. Let's chuck five small forwards or four small forwards with um, a Josh Caddy, right? And see what happens. And see what happens. And it worked, but that worked because it had good players on their list who could play that role, right? You shouldn't force your list to happen. The best teams play to what their list offers them. And Daniel Menzel is in that Geelong's best 22. He doesn't offer what a Richmond Ford would offer. But that's it's not Richmond. You've got to play around that, and f- that's coaching. You've got to figure out what's your strengths and what's your weaknesses and work around it all. I think he'd be the, in the best 22 of any side in the competition. I think he'd be especially damaging at a side like Richmond because Jack Rewalt's going to take the first tall, so Daniel Menzel has, doesn't have to worry about that. Then beyond that, the smalls are going to be providing all the pressure. Daniel Menzel will have a goal feast. He can just play on that flank and do all the damage. I think he'd be an especially good forward um, at a side like Richmond when he's got that support. He's got other players to do that for him, and then he can do the weight of kicking the goals, which, you know, I mean, a lot of those Richmond forwards can't kick four or five goals in a game. Yeah, some of the guys like Caddy sometimes can, but... Daniel Rowley's never going to kick four or five goals in a game. That's just not his game he plan. He did it in a, a preliminary oh, yeah, right, final against He's a gun. GWS. I love him. He's a fantastic player, but he doesn't do it often. That's my point. Yeah. Daniel Menzel does do it often. Yeah. I, it would be interesting. I don't think Richmond would go after a guy like Daniel Menzel just because, as we saw on the weekend, their forward line is so mobile that, like, they don't need someone like Menzel. Like, they're happy to have their small guys running on leads in a very vacant forward line. I think he'd offer a lot. I just think he'd offer something different. That's that's all I'm putting out there. Anyway, my point being is, Jong, why are you trading Daniel Menzel? Why does nobody want Daniel Menzel? And see, why does Daniel Menzel get no respect? He's a fantastic player. That's yeah. my point. Anyway. Credit due. 
where it's due, he's a very good player, and I would have him in my best 22 in 99% of the clubs. With Richmond being your exception. <laughs> no, Richmond's like a half exception. I haven't made up my mind on that yet. It's okay. an interesting one, though. Fair enough. Joke number two, what do you got? North Melbourne Gold Coast. Wasn't really a, an, um, a fixture any of us were looking forward to already. But the weekend got worse than we could have possibly hoped for. I would have argued it got better. It made that game interesting. No, no. I'm going a bit deeper than that. So okay. when North Melbourne flew up, I don't know if you saw this, but when they flew up, they had an aborted landing um, because the pilots got like 100 metres above ground level and they're like, well, we can't actually see. So they had to pull up and they actually just flew around for 45 minutes until it all cleared up. Because in case people haven't noticed, there is currently a few cyclones. Not just one, there is a few cyclones <laughs> around Cairns. So that happened. Look at the monthly rainfall. So I'm just going to go through the monthly rainfall for Cairns and then Melbourne. But yep. I'm going to highlight two different things. The monthly rainfall there in March and the monthly rainfall in July and August. Okay. So in Cairns, the monthly rainfall in millimetres is 360 that is 12 Whoa. millimeters per day. 12 <laughs> That's so much. 12 millimeters per day. I like I'm going to put it into perspective. In Melbourne in March we have 44 mils. They it's nearly nine times as much and it's cans. There's probably going to be a cyclone around. <laughs> so like I understand that Metricon Stadium's unavailable for the Commonwealth Games, but literally just have Gold Coast play away for its first 5-6 weeks of the season. It'll suck, but then they'll get a lot of home games towards the end of the season. So it makes up for itself. Now I'm going to go to August. August in Cairns, the monthly rainfall is 20 millimetres, which is less than a mil a day. It's more in Melbourne. In August, it's 57. It's actually nearly three times as much rainfall here, and it's not even bad. But, like, if it's 20 mils of rainfall, there will not be a cyclone there. I'm sorry, I'm just going to make it abundantly clear. There will not be a cyclone there. And I understand your point that it made it more interesting, but, like, they were talking about it afterwards. It's just lucky no one got injured. Yeah. Like, it it's beyond belief. Like, it was absolutely ridiculous, and the ground was actually holding up well till about 45 minutes before, and then, Cyclone Nora, hello, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> you, know you, you know you're really in trouble with your fixturing when you have to worry about cyclones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you should be planning around cyclones. Yeah. I'm sure Tasmania was sitting here just being like, hey, Hi. hey, we don't have cyclones. I feel like, yeah, I feel Ta like you're right. Tasmania actually controls the weather, and that what they wanted is, like, the plane to just, like, crash land. Because, like, imagine if the whole North Melbourne team goes, A, there's 5,000 unhappy members, and B, Tasmania's like, well, we can be the 18th team. Yeah. So, like, if Tasmania, if you were really planning to kill the whole North Melbourne team, that's low, but I do support your actions. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I think the first step in fixturing should be um, avoid cyclones and then everything else. <laughs> then we can worry about six-day breaks and all the things beyond that. But first, it should be avoid cyclones. Kudos to all the fans who still turned up. I know. I cannot believe some people were sitting there. So we, um, last week, in our uh, tipping, decided not to actually tip the margin of the Gold Coast-North Melbourne game, but to instead tip the fixture. Now, admittedly, we didn't account for the fact that there was probably going to be a cyclone, but um, we can have a look at the fixture nonetheless. Do you remember what we tipped? For the fixture? Yeah. In terms of who was going to win? Yeah, the attendance. Oh, the attendance. Oh, I guessed 7,000. I think I guessed about 10,000. Yeah. I will have a look at that and have the answer for you at the end of the show. You, in the meantime, are providing your next bit of analysis. For those who listened to the podcast last year, you will understand that I had quite the 
obsession over this player called Lewis Melican, or as we called him, Melican the Pelican. <laughs> now, this obsession stemmed from his ability to get so many one percenters, it was beyond belief. It was literally the only thing good he did. And a lot of weeks I'd try to make Audi's stats better than they actually were. Well, we've got a new king in town. We've got a new king. And I cannot believe it, but this this is beyond ridiculous. So Dougal Howard, someone who hasn't actually played that many games for Port Adelaide, I believe he started his career in like 2015, but has been ravaged by injury. He is a 1% king. I've not seen anything like it ever before. I'm going to read you the stats from his last two games. So this, um, the second last game he played was actually that West Coast final. Yep. So he came into the side for that. Unfortunately, they lost after the siren and what was a great game. But I'm going to tell you this. He had 14 disposals, right? And 22 one percenters. 22. 20, that's amazing. He broke the record. I was going to say, that's like well above the record as well, isn't it? I can quickly check if I've got it up. No, it broke the record by one. Josh Gibson oh, okay. had 21 in 2011. But he broke the record then last year in that game. Now, this weekend, he had 10 disposals and 22 one percenters again. He broke the record. He equaled his own record. So in two games in a row, he has equaled the record. that He has had 24 disposals combined in the two games, and then he's had 44%. How? <laughs> this is beyond ridiculous. I'm going to tell you something else as well. Which is just like, whoa, this is actually crazy to think of. So he had 40, uh, he had 22 on the weekend, right? Yep. Fremantle as a team had 35. <laughs> 35. Oh, come on, Freo, you're better than that. So if you put Port Adelaide's three top players in terms of one percenters together, they beat Freo by six, let alone the 19 other Port Adelaide players on the field. No, Doug How- Dougal Howard, Justin Westhoff, and Tom Jonas had. 41 between them. But let's not take anything away from... Dougal Howard had 22 of them. So, Dougal Howard, you are my man this year. I am watching you. I love what you're doing. Keep doing it because I love people who put their team first. It's just... It fills my heart with warmth, Alex. It's just, That's what footy is about. Playing for the team. He's Thank a you. legend. Thank you, Dougal Howard. You are now a legend of the podcast. I cannot believe that. That just stunned me. I looked at that and went, huh? I can't believe you haven't realised that earlier, to be honest. I recognised it this time. That's a fantastic effort from him and a really poor effort from Frio. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously, Frio, you're better than that. Come on. 10 disposals, 22 one percenters. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know how you do it, but... Credit to you as well. That's a very comedic piece of analysis. I think you've got to, um, stick to your stick to your boundaries. Make sure you're not uh, getting them all mixed up. No, I think that was analysis. No, nah, because you, you might be stepping on the toes of my upcoming joke, which is, I'm not going to lie, it's about Collingwood. We haven't talked about enough about Collingwood. You talked about Tom Mitchell, but somebody really needs to have a go at Collingwood. <laughs> this, I mean, every season under Buckley, they get worse. Every season, round one, Buckley's like, oh, yeah, no, I reckon we're better this year. No, I reckon reckon we'll be better this year. And then at the end of every round one, it's like, oh, yeah, no, we didn't kick particularly well tonight. We didn't hit our targets. And, um, yeah, we'll be better next week. So I have reinvented this tale as old as time (laughs) in the form of a musical song. (laughs) Are you going to sing it to me? (laughs) Yes, I am. This is a classic, but also an ode to Nathan Buckley. Are you ready? I've never been more ready in my life. (laughs) Tale as old as time. Shit as shit can be. (laughs) He can't make amends. And yet he still depends on Scott Pendlebury. (laughs) Not even a little change. 
Still can't hit a lead. Adams barely cared. Wish they drafted Laird, Maguire, and Buckley. Yay! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank I like you, that. That's the most singing you're ever going to hear on this podcast, so <laughs> no, don't it's worry not. about it. No, it's not. No, it's not? Uh-oh. No, it's not. Well, not you're not going to hear singing from me. <laughs> I'll bring back singing at some point. But yeah, um, I just wanted to let Nathan Buckley know and Eddie Maguire that I think they're shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I like the blatancy there. No, yeah, just keeping it subtle. But I'm, I don't know. I mean, I like the song. It's a good song. I liked my version of the song as well, so... Yeah. Yep. Kudos <laughs> thank to you. That's thank good you. writing. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Right, we're up to our surprise segment. Do you want to go first or second? I'm not first. So um, I'll, let's, let's look at my surprise segment. I reckon throughout the season, most of the time, we're going to go jokes in this option but i've taken the opportunity this week to go actually another piece of analysis because it's more discussion than it is analysis but it's a discussion that needs to be had and that is about katie brennan the dogs won the aflw grand final on the weekend without their captain in what could be described as suspect circumstances um so basically to provide a little clarity for those that don't understand uh, Katie Brennan was suspended for one week after a um, sling tackle on the weekend and last weekend's match. The reason that she got suspended was that she previously had gotten a, a Re- warning, reprimand. Re- reprimand from an offence, yep. and this was like the second warning, and therefore she got a week. Now, much of the controversy has come down to the fact that in the men's competition, if she'd done the exact same thing... She would have got a fine. She would have, for the first offence, got a $3,000 fine, and the second offence got a $5,000 fine and therefore would have been playing the grand final. Now, this is important. Uh, We need to talk about this. The fact that there's a difference between in the women's competition and the men's competition, whether or not you get a suspension or a fine, depending on which competition you're in, needs to be fixed. Now, in the defense of the people that uh, created the system, the reason that they went with it was that if you gave a woman in the WA uh, AFLW a $3,000 and then $5,000 fine, for the average uh, AFLW footballer, that would be about half their season salary, which is, you know, a little bit too much. So basically, they had the idea that, well, why don't we just give them a warning a first time around and a suspension the second time around? And in theory, I don't think it was that bad of an idea. It was probably one of those circumstances where they thought they were doing good. And it's unfortunately just reached the worst possible scenario for us to realise that we need to change this rule. Because, you know, had it been just some junior player in a, you know, semi-final or something, it probably wouldn't have been that big of a deal. And it probably would have been like, oh, yeah, this, this probably doesn't work. We probably should just change this rule. And there wouldn't be a massive outcry about it. And it definitely wouldn't be going to the Human Rights Commission. But the dog's captain on grand final day is sitting in the stands, despite the fact that if she was a man, she wouldn't be. And there's a problem with that. And I don't think, you know, it's worthy of the Human Rights Commission. I don't think it's a massive problem that needs to be taken to the highest of the high and we need to go to the UN and complain about this and whatever. I just think it's one of those things where everybody sits back and go, okay, uh, uh, that, that was a mistake. Let's change that. Apologise to Katie Brennan, despite the fact that she made an error. She knew the system. She knew what she was getting herself into. Apologise that the system is wrong. It shouldn't have been that way in the first place and move on. That is my opinion. Okay. Because then, well, what are you going to replace it with in terms of the fine? Because um, they made the point, oh, who was it? I think it was Daisy Pierce, made the point that um, if they like made it a percentage of salary of what the men's get, they'd be paying nothing. Like $100, which is still a lot in terms of them. But, like, you have to look after the head. I don't know if you saw that tackle. That was 
a brutal tackle and such a dumb thing to do. And this is why what I'm focusing on is the difference. Is I think you could very easily argue that that tackle should be earning his suspension. My problem is the fact that if you're a woman, you get suspended. If you're a man, you don't. That's the that's the part I'm focusing on. Because I, I agree, if across the board it was just a suspension for a tackle like that, I could get around that. Because I think that, t- that tackle was genuinely dangerous and there was a problem with it. The problem is the fact that you can have two different conclusions depending on what gender you are. Yeah, but the, the point they made is... Like what? So you are going to charge them eight thousand dollars for the two offences, or are you going to charge them a percentage in which is like, I don't know, four hundred dollars? Yeah, is that but what you're going to do? Because that that was more than a four hundred dollar fine. <laughs> but like you see, it as more than a four hundred dollar fine because you're used to the idea that these AFL players are earning, you know, five hundred thousand dollars a year. Do you know? Do you know what the average salary of the AFLW women's players are? It's like twenty four thousand dollars a year. No, but no, no, no. Hear me out. Yeah. The point is, it's if it was a man, it would be $3,000 fine, then yeah. $5,000 fine. That's what you said, right? Yeah. Which is $8,000, which is half of their salary. So you, it, the idea would be, I think the most sensible solution in terms of that would be to make it, if you wanted a change, would be to make it a percentage. Yeah. So 8000 out of 500000 right? Yeah. That's like 1.6%. Well, it would be the average AFL salary, which is what, three fifty or something. Three fifty, so yep. eight thousand out of three thousand fifty, just off the top of my head, it's not much. It's like two yep. percent sort of thing. Like two percent of like the women's salary is like three hundred dollars. That's the point they're making is well, that I, I, are I you would... gonna make her pay three hundred dollars for giving someone a pretty bad concussion? Well, I would argue that that's just outlining how much that there is a problem with how much these women are being paid. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know um, where I stand on this one. This was a little weird. I think the Western Bulldogs went about it horribly, though. Yes. I don't know if you heard, um, but when they went to the tribunal, they basically used Bob Murphy as a point. Their I argument mean, was that because Bob Murphy had missed the grand final, then she should play. And literally everyone in the room went, what? <laughs> what? And then, yeah, and then Katie Brennan was really outspoken about it all and then they went to the Human Rights Commission. It was handled so poorly by the Bulldogs. And don't get me wrong, mate, there should be a change. Like, there is an issue. I'm not sure what the right change is at the moment. There is definitely an issue, though. But, like, going about it the way that they did was a little... I didn't like it. Yeah, not a, not a simple scenario, and that was what I was trying to outline. Um, very complex and a lot of good motivations from a lot of people, but um, I think some bad decisions that have been made and some bad decisions that need to be rectified. That's my surprise for you, is bringing Katie Brennan on you when you didn't know you were going to get it. What have you got? I was lucky I uh, watched the game. <laughs> um, good game. Yeah, well, well the, the big luckily... Um, point out of it is that um, the dogs won anyway. They have um, a, a bunch of stars, Emma Carney, uh, Ellie Blackburn. They've got some really good players that made sure that it's not like they lost their one and only good player. No. Uh, and that probably would have been more an, more of an issue. But for Katie Brennan's sake, I don't think it's something that can just be swept under the rug and forgotten. Fair. Now, my surprise, now you stole a little bit out of it before. Um, which actually just shows that we don't actually, like, tell each other. No. Norway played the Socceroos, as you pointed out. Uh, Norway won 4-1. Just a side fact, Norway's not going to be at the World Cup. <laughs> they did not qualify for the World Cup, but Australia did. Yep. And Australia just got absolutely smashed by them, like, with amazing ease. Now, yes, we got a new coach, but, like, 4-1 is pretty bad. I'm not even a soccer fan, really, and I know that. And uh, some of the stats, which just are a little worrying about this game, was that we had 
four shots on target and we only scored once. Whereas Norway had six shots on target, so two extra, and they scored four times. So this is shouting out to me, right? We need someone who's good in front of the goals. We need someone who, you know, doesn't even really need to take a first touch. He can just, you know... Almost volley it out of midair. Yeah. Yeah. Even over his head. Yeah. We need to get someone on the park who knows what they're doing. It's time for Luke Parker to go for the Australian cricket team. I understand you're... Uh, Australian cricket team, sorry. The Socceroos. I understand you are a huge part of Sydney Swan's success, but, like, the World Cup is greater than a couple of, um, you know, regular home and away season football games. It, it's time. Go go striker. All we need... It, we've got our set play where literally we just bounce the ball in front of him and he'll buy some cricket. <laughs> Like, honestly, that was beyond belief, that goal. I cannot believe he pulled it off. Um, I saw this video come out today of, like, people who have tried it and not quite got it. Uh, Alan Didak gave it a really good go in only an Alan Didak way. (laughs) But, like, he pulled it off. He absolutely nailed it. Like, get in the Australian soccer team. I want someone... Imagine that, though. I could actually get invested in, like, the Socceroos if there was an AFL player there. What if they just, like, said to Luke Parker, like, how much... How much? How much? <laughs> we, 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 we want you to come play. How much? Yeah. Anyways, that's that's my mini rant. <laughs> I don't want to lose at the World Cup without having tried something that could work. And imagine if he did score at the World Cup. Like, that would just be an actual joke, right? Yeah. That would If an AFL player um, scored at the World Cup. It was like the time when New Zealand at the 2010 World Cup sent a banker. There was a man who wasn't <laughs> even a professional football player. He was a banker and he went and played at the World Cup. Oh, I did not know that. Well, there you go. There we go. So that wraps up our penalty shootout for the week. Let's do a quick rundown and decide who we reckon won each of the penalties. So your first joke versus my analysis, this was your... um, Dow. Paddy Dow joke versus my Bulldogs analysis. Who do you think won that? I think Bulldogs. You think Bulldogs won? Yeah, well, so do I. So I'm glad we agree on that. (laughs) Uh, Tom Mitchell. (laughs) Tom Mitchell versus my uh, AFL players that could be better at other sports joke. AFL players. Yeah, I, I think I'm on a hot streak. I think I've taken the first two. I'm very, I'm very confident in this. Um, Cairns. Cairns. I will give you Cairns over Daniel Menzel, despite the fact that I, I put a lot of passion into Daniel Menzel, and I'm very proud of that. Point. I put a lot of passion but into you, Cairns. But, uh, <laughs> the, the point you made about the fact that we probably should be more worried about Cyclones is a very legitimate point. <laughs> so I'm happy to give you Daniel uh, Cyclones over Daniel Menzel. I'm claiming Dougal Howard. I'm sorry. No. Oh, did you? I, I sang a song. I yeah, sang a song. Yeah, but you know how much one percenters mean to it. I I recognise how much one percenters, but you just looked up some stats. I wrote a song. I was meant to look up a stat. That's literally what it was. <laughs> you can't use that as an excuse. But my point being, I went to the next level. I wrote a song. If I had offered some like average joke that you could just tear apart, then yes, your one percenters was was a good bit of analysis. But I wrote a song. I think we're gonna have to call a tie on this. Fine, one. we'll call a tie. I. I'm, I, I'm very proud of myself. I thought it was a good song. Oh, fine. Yeah, no. I want to incentivize you to sing more. <laughs> so, I, put no. a lot of, I put a lot of effort into that song. I spent a long time Dougal working on Howard the lyrics. Howard is an unfortunate. I, 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 if I'd switched it around and switched, switched it yes. with Tom Mitchell, then yeah. that would... Um, I, I, don't, I don't... The other thing is, I, I honestly believe that we're probably going to see Dougal Howard back on this podcast at some point. I don't think what this is the last think of him. <laughs> In fact, maybe even Mike had a, a, a cool little nickname for himself. Who knows? Howard the Coward. But he's not a coward because he's, he's getting a... all the one percenters. Yeah, but that's the joke. <laughs> what, you thought Melican was a pelican? I did honestly think for a while that Melican was a pelican. <laughs> um, oh. And our surprise round, uh, my Katie Brennan rant versus your... Um, I've already forgotten what it was. Luke Parker. Oh, Luke Parker playing for Australia. 
Which one do you think was better? I don't know. They're very different. One of them was quite, you know, hearty and like, it's a, it's a genuine issue. Yeah. And then the other one is, well, it's a genuine issue as well. The Socceroos <laughs> suck. But it's a different sort of genuine. Um, I, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm going to back in my Katie Brennan over your um, Socceroos. I thought it was well approached, but um, I, I just think I was too passionate for you. That was the thing. Is This, this is genuinely something I really believe in, is that that needs to be talked about in the media more and it's not. Yeah, fair. Fair? Do you, do you agree? Do you Does disagree? that mean it's 4-1? That's a really harsh 4-1. Uh, uh, I literally said that Norway beating Australia <laughs> was getting smashed. And here I am losing 4-1 <laughs> in where I didn't get smashed. Hey, look look at it. Is this the most Australian thing you could do? <laughs> losing 4-1 in the I opening round? I am round? <laughs> No, it's a practice match because we're not on radio yet. True, true. Oh, my God. True, it's just a podcast. So when, if Australia does really well in the World Cup, I'm going to fuck you up, Alex. <laughs> So that's round one goes to me four one. You, I, I reckon you're gonna come back with a vengeance next week. Yeah, it's yeah. On. You, you've been you've been hit hard. Therefore, next week's gonna come back in flames. I reckon you're gonna be coming back hard. We're gonna round out our show this week with our tipping as normal. Um, now look, to be honest, I've forgotten. To, yeah, I've what, what, what so we tipped last week? Oh, uh, what we tipped last week? Well, yeah. yeah. Are we gonna count how much we got? I think it, I think we got about like five or six each. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that different. I know we got similar scores. We got both got Richmond. Um, did you go Essendon? Yeah. Uh, no, I went Adelaide. I went Essendon. Did you? Did I? Or did I go Adelaide? No, I went Adelaide. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say. Um, went, I'm assuming we both tipped Sakilda. Yeah. We both tipped Port Adelaide. Yeah, I said by 90 points. Didn't quite get there. You actually <laughs> I, said about 47. So, you so was... I was very good on that one. Um, uh, I tipped Gold Coast. Yeah, I tipped North. Yeah, so I got that one. Um, I know we tipped opposite in Hawthorne versus Collingwood. Though I can't remember. Which I went way Collingwood. Rounds. You went Collingwood. Ah, oh, sweet. I went Hawthorne. <laughs> That's good. Now you went Western Bulldogs. I may have tipped the Western Bulldogs <laughs> <laughs> by three points in what ended up being an eighty-five point swing. <laughs> yeah. Um, we both tipped Melbourne, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, very close that game in the end though, and um, both tipped Sydney. Both tipped Sydney. So I think I jumped you by two in the end. Ah, not no, a good by start. One. Oh, one. Yeah, the Bulldogs lost, didn't you? Damn it, yeah. Bulldogs. So I got one. I got six. Two, three. Oh well, I would have got five then. I think six five. I'm gonna write this down. Six five. Will. First round. Round two. Adelaide Richmond over at Adelaide Oval Thursday night. Who's gonna win this one? This could be one of the better games of the year. Adelaide's. Getting a lot of big ins, and they're going to play with an absolute vengeance. And Richmond is, I hate to say it, uh, almost better than last season. <laughs> like, I really don't want it to be true, but I'm a little bit worried that it I is. I was so scared last week. Five minutes in, Carlton had five goals, and I was like, Can't play. Oh, this isn't the most Richmondy thing ever. We'll Winning the it. Premiership. I'm sure we'll get to it at some point throughout the season, but Carlton were actually pretty good. <laughs> yep. I was like, I tipped Carlton to get smashed and they were like decent. No, it'll be interesting though because I they scored the five goals immediately and then after that, Richmond scored 120 to 65. So it was quite the swing after that. And B, they scored seven goals from free kicks on the weekend, which is an enormous amount. We lost quite a few to 50 minute infringing yep. in which the umpires have actually come out and said that was umpired far too strictly and that they went outside what it you know, their interpretation of it is. So we'll see if Carlton will consistently be able to score 95. If they can. I doubt it. I doubt it as well. <laughs> They're playing Gold Coast this week, though, so who knows? <laughs> and it won't be in a cyclone because it's at Eddie had. Yeah, thankfully. Kudos, AFL. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying kudos for them not putting one in cyclone territory. Yeah, um, I, I think there's no way in hell you're going to see Adelaide 0-2 and two after two rounds. So I'm going to say Adelaide by 19 points. I'm going to say Richmond. Ooh. That'll be interesting. Uh, North Melbourne are hosting Kilda at Etihad on Easter Friday. I don't think North Melbourne are that terrible, but we're going to win this game. 
it'll probably be the same as last week. We'll just compete for three quarters. They'll probably hit the lead halfway through the third quarter, and then we'll just storm away in the last. Yep. So I'll say St. Kilda by like 34-ish. I didn't give a margin for Richmond. Richmond by 21. 21. Yep. And North Melbourne be St. Kilda? Uh, St. Kilda. Yep. By how much? 21 again. This will be an interesting one because I've backed Carlton to finish bottom of the ladder and yet they host Gold Coast at Etihad Stadium and I'm very much considering tipping them. Oh, I'm tipping them in a heartbeat. I tell you what I love after round one when you're looking at the AFL app, it's Carlton 12th versus Gold Coast 4th. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's going to be totally like that at the end of the year. Carlton might be there. Gold Coast is not going to be there. No. Um, the... Otherwise, you're baking a cake. Yes. Well, I'm sure we'll get to that at some point later in the season should it be necessary. <laughs> um... But Gold Coast uh, will be getting Aaron Horn back, which I think will be a very big inclusion. He's a very good player. I uh, just got a feeling. <laughs> You're going say, Gold Coast. I'm saying Gold Coast just because I don't think I can morally have Carlton uh, winning a game this early in the season and still have them So you, But finishing. you can morally have Gold Coast winning two. Yeah. I'm not saying that this is an amazingly well-thought-out theory. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. we're just going to roll with it for now. Uh, Collingwood hosts Gold Coast um, on at 4.35 in the Twilight game at the MCG. They host GWS. You said that like, hey, guys, Collingwood's playing Gold Coast at 4.35 at so, the MCG. You should I, get down to this game because it's going to be an absolute thriller. Because what I realised halfway through was they said Gold Coast, and I was like, hang on, it's not Gold Coast. They played the last game. GWS. They're playing GWS. Um, yeah. I think GWS are going to belt the shit out. <laughs> <laughs> I love when you're just like, yeah, they're going to belt the shit out of them. Collingwood uh, suck. Has anybody watched them? They're bad. <laughs> uh, they miss so many targets. 47. Yeah, it's GWS by 75. This will be a very one-sided game. Brisbane v Melbourne up at the Gabba. Um, like Brisbane played inspired football for parts last week, but that's because the Saints let them, rather than <laughs> that ge- uh, Brisbane genuinely played inspired football. So, I mean, this one's pretty simple for me. Melbourne's going to win. Yep, Melbourne um, have to win this week. Uh, they got very close last week and proved that they're a decent side. But as, as a side that I expect will finish amongst the best, you can't lose these games. You just can't. You can't go to Brisbane and lose. So I'll say Melbourne by 45 points. Now, speaking of games that could be absolute, like, Annihilations, a Fremantle team, which just got belted last week, versus an Essendon team who just beat the reigning grand finalists. Um, the only factor that's making me think that Essendon isn't going to belt the shit out of them is the fact that this game is being played at um, Optus Stadium, so a but home game for Fremantle. Is it really? Well, West Coast played okay there last week. Yeah. Um, it's not like if if from what I saw last week, if you know West Coast had come out and really struggled. Um, I, I might be a bit worried about Fremantle at home, but I think Fremantle will do okay. Um, the thing is, I just think it, I think of it as more of a neutral venue, really. Yeah. Um, which leads me to believe that Essendon should probably win reasonably comfortably. I'll say Essendon by 45. I'm going Essendon by 82. Ooh, I love be... it when we go like the absolute beltings because one of us goes and the other one's like always in the 40s. Yeah, because I mean, you got to be realistic. <laughs> uh, the Western Bulldogs host West Coast in what's going to be a very interesting game for those sides aiming between 9th to 12th come the end of the season. Yeah, it's going to be quite the barometer. Surely Western Bulldogs can't put up a similar f- performance. We all know that West Coast can't play outside of Perth, but... I liked West Coast last week. Yeah, I know. And the Western Bulldogs really sucked. Like, does they, that mean like, they'll come back with a vengeance? No, I think they really sucked. I think th- I, I, I'm for a side that I've tipped to finish eighth. I think they're just bad. I had them finish seventh. The Western Bulldogs are the favourites for this game comfortably, and yet I'm going to say West Coast by 23 points. You made me want to tip West Coast. 
but we're meant to tip differently at like every chance. But like, I don't have a gut feeling about Western Bulldogs. Therefore, we're going Western Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when we tip with logic. <laughs> I'm going Western Bulldogs by. It's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be seven. <laughs> um, this is a game that I am very much looking forward to. Sydney host Port Adelaide at the SCG on Sunday afternoon. This could be a really good test as to see where these two sides are at. We know how highly I rate Port Adelaide. I think they're going to win this. I think this is their statement performance. Ken Hinckley will be going to them like, we played really well last week against Fremantle. <laughs> <laughs> this week we got Sydney, which just like one of the best clubs over the last 10 years and still an awesome side. Let's beat them on their home turf. And Sydney isn't the greatest side ever at the SCG. I think you underrate them. They're going to get Hanabry back. This is a side that I back to finish in the top four, and for good reason. They're the proven performers. They're going to be fantastic throughout the season. The only thing that worries me is that this line last year, Port Adelaide actually beat Sydney. Yeah, that's uh, what makes one. me feel it. Um, so I, I think this is actually going to be a really good game. Um, I think this will be Sydney by five points. I'm going Port Adelaide by 17 a little bit more comfortable. And then, of course, Easter Monday, we have it every year, the age-old rivalry, the Kennett Curse, which has since been broken. But, you know, still interesting to watch. Geelong Hawthorne at the MCG. Will you be backing in the home side of Geelong? I said that in quotation marks because GMHBA Stadium, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to back in Geelong. Uh, they're just a little too good for Hawthorne. Um, Paddy Dangerfield should be back. Get excited, everyone. This is likely going to be the first time we're going to see Danger Woodlet or whatever you choose to call it. Um, Dangerfield, Selwood and Ablett all playing. Ablett looked good last week. I know a lot of people are decrying his 39 possession match, but he still had 39 possessions. It's hard to have a bad 39 possession game. We should go to this game. Monday afternoon. Yeah. We should go to all of the games, to be honest. Uh, We're not going to North Melbourne Gold Coast. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go to North Melbourne to kill her. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I know it's dumb, and I know that nobody else will probably want to attend, but I want to go to North Melbourne St Kilda. Yep, you can be half of the attendance. <laughs> Solid two people. Um, I will say Geelong, back on the uh, heels of a Dangerfield inclusion, and probably playing a bit up forward as well, will probably win by a good 38 points. Yeah, I'd say Geelong by 22. And that wraps us up for this week. Um, I would tell you to go follow all our things, but we're still organising them. So yep. when they exist, we'll tell you to go follow them. Four different tips this week, Alex. <laughs> Four different. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, you're already behind the uh, behind the eight ball, so go to Chase. Yeah. And you're also behind the eight ball in our penalty shootout. It's 1-0 after round one. I mean, you've got you to come back firing next week, or otherwise you're going to be two and, uh, zero and two after two rounds. And we know what happens to side that is zero and two after two rounds. Their coach gets fired. Or or they're Sydney and they go zero and six. Well, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Get excited. All of that coming up more next week. Uh, we've got a great fixture. We'll see you all next week. My name's Alex Henry. My name's Chuck. Goodbye.